Welcome to the Jim Norton and Sam Roberts Show podcast. Lucky you. What a good guest we have this week. Sam? It's Dr. Drew. It's not me. People are like, Sam, he's on here every week. Dr. Drew Pinsky. You know him from Love Lines. You know him from uh, Up Late with Dr. Drew. Late Night with Dr. Drew. Something Dr. Drew does late at, at night. But he didn't do this late at night. He did it in the morning on the Jim and Sam Show. Dr. Drew. You can get all of Dr. Drew stuff at drdrew.com. He hosts a podcast with Adam Carolla called The Adam and Dr. Drew Show, available every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday. He hosts the weekly Dr. Drew podcast, available every Thursday, and Dr. Drew After Dark, available every Friday. More importantly, if, uh, Jim has met my wife, and she produces a daily streaming show called oh Ask Dr. Drew on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday at 3 o'clock Pacific, and she would kill both of us if I didn't have to this. <laughs> it's so. crazy how much, I was just reading that you and you and Adam do your podcast four days a week. Three days a week. Three days a week, and he does his show, and you do all, it's amazing the amount of hours, like you still put out a lot of stuff. We we put out about, we probably are on mic as many hours as you guys are a week. Yeah. The reality is, just in different formats, on different platforms, that kind of stuff. Do, I mean, we were used to doing radio two, three hours a day forever, you know? Right. Do you do it because you love it, or are you like me? I do a lot of things because I'm completely panic-stricken that it's all going to be taken away, so I want to have Both. a bunch of different things. Both. Both. Yeah, diversity is always my thing. Like, diversify, diversify. You know, you never know what's going to... Yeah. Oh, no, I was raised by a father who uh, told me that every day, tomorrow is the end of the world. Oh, really? Yeah, every day. Oh, that's healthy. Every day. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, he, was, he, he terrorized me. In fact, when I was... I've told this story many times, but I was like two years old... He started in on me like a two-year-old, and he I'd go, you know, maybe maybe I was four or something, but he would start in. I'd need clothes, and he'd go, oh, oh, you're outgrowing those clothes. Okay, all right, well, go, no, no, go get them. You need clothes, but tomorrow you'll you won't I won't be here because I'm going to be in the poorhouse. And then you because of you He's, and what and the? you can and you had this whole thing. You could walk by, wave to me through the window. There's, I had this. I'm four year olds concocting this thing in my head, yeah. which is as one of the most vivid memories I have is my imaginary poorhouse. That's that stuff terrifies me now. When I look at my kids who are three and five, yeah, and yeah. I go, "What are you doing to them? They're going to remember this moment forever. Like mm -hmm. I have to get this right because it's going to stick with. I'll so forget true. it by Friday. That's right. But they're going to remember." That's Right. Oh, but what they will remember, you won't even realize has had happened. Right. And and it probably did. It's not always a distortion, but it's a amplification and God knows how memory. It's this works. little detail yes. that I was like, yeah. Oh, it's a tone, right? I didn't realize I had that and they're like That's you true. Me. They're gonna be in their thirties talking about nope, the moment was this and thirties, I'm, like, I'm in my sixties. <laughs> when your children are world famous doctors, your dad did something right. You turned out good. Yeah. There's some good and some bad. That's right. We'll it's like Joe Jackson, you know what I mean? As much as it was a Terrible way of raising kids. I mean, I mean that's what people say, yeah. but I'm pretty sure there have been talented people that were able to be successful without being C abused. Correct. Name but, thirty. <laughs> <laughs> Name five. But, but, but it's a high stakes game when you parent like that. It goes one way, yeah. or the other, right? <laughs> and mostly the other, right? Yeah. yeah. Did it change as you got older? Like when you were in grammar school and high school, is your dad the same way, or did he kind of mellow out with it? He mellowed out, and my sister, who's six years younger than me, doesn't even know what I'm talking about. Oh, she yeah. didn't see that. Yeah, he mellowed out. and uh, But, man, you know, he was a child of the Depression. He was traumatized by all that. His family lost everything. They didn't know where they were going to get their next meal. And they were, they so were, and, and his family was screwed up because they came out of the Holodomor, right? They were Ukrainian refugees from a, from a, uh, you know, from a Stalin's famines. And it was, it's like one generation after another. We, and we got to get more serious about recognizing how generational trauma affects us. Dude, yeah. I, like I've, I've had moments now where it's like, I realize I'm doing things because it's how I was raised. Mm -hmm. So it's like, well, that's how I'm supposed, and then I'll stop myself and go like, yeah, I'm not better off because I was raised that way. There's no reason. He thinks this when he's burning a cross on a lawn. <laughs> You're not better off because of that? Shocking. Well, yeah, I mean, he gave me religion. You know what I mean? He gave me spirituality. Yeah, but you like, you're like, you're like, no, I'm going to say no here. Yeah. Because my parents would have said no. And then I go back and I'm like, 
Yeah, but I was like really upset when they said no. I wouldn't have been. It's not like this moment would have spoiled me or I wouldn't have been able to. And maybe I should. That's the worst. Maybe of I it. should not do this. The worst of it is the stuff that we took so strongly issue with that we hear ourselves doing, you know, much later. Yeah, yeah I realize that too. You are, you, you become your parents when you get older and everyone says it and it's the oldest thing, but you, you do. I mean, some of it's good. Jim, your parents were like you? <laughs> I know. <laughs> really? I have Explains the, a lot. <laughs> people are always amazed that my parents are such normal, nice people. Mm-hmm. Like everyone who meets my parents, like they're so quiet Well, you're and not nice. becoming your parents, so you wouldn't have to worry about that. I mean, that, certain so. little quirks. I oh. guess you should say that. Yeah, yeah. I don't think my parents okay. have the same feeling better. Yeah. Destructive <laughs> patterns I've had. But yeah, it's, uh, it is weird when you start to think that way as an adult. It's depressing too, because you're like, yeah, I'm old. Like I'm, I'm really getting yeah. I'm in my 50s. Okay, here we go. Yeah, here yeah. we go. We're gonna get depressed now. No, yeah. I'm okay yeah. with it. It beats being dead. That's what I say. It, be- it beats the option. <laughs> getting old beats getting dead. Yeah, yeah. Not by a lot, though. <laughs> no, no, not even by a little. I mean, just barely. It eats but, by it. But yeah. is there a period of your life that you're like, oh yeah, if I could stay that age forever, that would be the that would be the the, the twenty four was pretty good. 24, <laughs> 24? 20s, early. I would say early to mid thirties because. Yeah. I had a decent you got your crap together. Crap yeah, together. Yeah. You're making a little bit of money. You got a good career, but you know you're, you're you don't have gray hair. You're not fucking. You know, just the testosterone hasn't quite dropped as much as you, it's going to. You have lower testosterone than you used. I'm to? guessing. I yeah. tested okay, but it you feels know, it's, like it. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I have the exact same thing because I have prostate cancer too. So I have they have to monitor mm. all that stuff. I'm 12 years post prostatectomy, and uh, my levels are high. But it does not feel like it. Really? <laughs> yeah, because I keep saying, come on, put me on testosterone because it's a high-risk game when you have prostate cancer. And they're like, all right, let's measure. It's high. It's just aging. But you want to get that I, well, get I'd that like extra to feel boost. that way again. Yeah. yeah. I'd like to feel like that, but it's not probably not testosterone. How, just... how long does it take to recover from that? From what? From prostate cancer when they go through the surgery. Uh, it was, uh, you know, I, I do very poorly with surgery. Like tissue damage destroys me. Like I had a hernia operation, took me a month to recover from it. It should have been a day. Right. Uh, I was probably six and I, and I don't know if it's the tissue or the anesthesia or what, but it took me a good six months to be kind of, well, I was, I was at work in 10 days. I was, you know, which again, back to our workaholism stuff, yeah, yeah. but I was at work in 10 days on TV no, and no, and no one knew the difference. No one knew. But in terms of my stamina and all stuff, it took about six months. Wow. And you found out like, will you, will you, do you get checked all the time? Like I'm, I've gotten a little paranoid. As I, I, I see yeah. that on you. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Talk about it. Let's go. Here we go. No, I, I so just do get, just, I want to get, get scans that I don't need just to do well, it. For prostate cancer. Do you have a, what's your ethnicity? Uh, Irish. Okay. And do you have any relatives with prostate cancer? My dad, I think, had it. Okay, do you know what age? Don't know. I'm going to guess 60s. Okay, so you should have been starting screening at 40 every oh. year, right? Yeah, yeah, I, if you've been doing do, it that oh, have you Not every that? year, no, but I do, I do screen. So, so PSA screening, and if there's any bump. Like, I went from one to four, right? Still normal. But, uh, you know, I, I had H1N1, the, bird, the uh, swine flu back in the day. Yeah. And that was a horrible illness i mean really twice as bad as covid and i had really? bad covid too and uh and i recovered from that my wife goes uh that's not normal you were too sick something's wrong with you and i was like nah, that's a bad illness what are you gonna do and she goes no you have to have an internist and so i all right I was, I was like 50 at the time and uh set me in get the test you know and i used to was, i was very diligent about all my screening and stuff and so he did all the usual stuff and my psa had gone from one to four which is normal but that rate of increase was pretty substantial so he goes eh, i see urologist i'm like oh god you know what Everybody, yeah it's calm, calm down i'll do it again in six months relax urologist goes yeah you're right you shouldn't be here take some antibiotics some anti-inflammatories it'll go back down didn't go back down he goes well let's do that again didn't go back down he goes now you're going to get a biopsy. I'm oh. like, God damn it. You see what happens? Yeah. <laughs> you see what happens when you're, over, you're overly aggressive? Biopsy, cancer. Do doctors wow. make bad patients? Like, Because oh, you guys know so much. Of course. But my fear always is doctors get weird when they're taking care of famous people or their peers. And they, so they, both. I know. <laughs> and, 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 and I kept saying, don't do this because it's me, you guys. Just treat me like anybody else, nothing special. Right. Because the standard is always the best, right? You don't want them having their judgment affected by anything. Right. Just the way they, he or she does sure. her job. So you, so if they're 
trying to give you special treatment they may miss? No, no. They It's just not their usual judgment. You're going to a doctor for their judgment. Gotcha. Applying our judgment the way we have a thousand times in situations like this. But when it when they're kind of, a, when they're whatever, feeling something internally different, it affects their, it's why we don't take care of our family. Because it affects our judgment. And it's why they, I don't want them to do anything different for me. It's how, and, and special care is how you get a Michael Jackson. Right, he right. got special care. Right, and there's lots of examples of celebrities getting special care. It's a catastrophe every time. Elvis, yeah, oh, just yeah. every time. Yeah, well, the, doc, the, the, doc, only, doc, the only place you want special care is surgeon. You want a surgeon with good numbers. That's that you want to look at. But everybody else, you want just doing their job. Doctors, no, I was just say, Doctor Nicopolis uh, yeah. for Elvis. Uh, I like he was in a weird spot too. He shouldn't have given him the pills. But did oh, really? Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I know. You. I always what take these. Are you a doctor? I, I take these risks when I speak. I don't care what anybody says. But no, Elvis said I'll buy the drugstore, and I guess Doctor Nick was like, I want to be in the inner circle. Pete, like Conrad Murray probably didn't want to get kicked out of the Michael it, Jackson it, it's, inner circle. It's a little more than that. Like like Deepak Chopra was in the inner circle, realized what was going on, pulled Michael aside, addressed him, and was summarily dismissed and never oh. spoke to him. To wow. Again. So he Con, did. He Con, talked to him. Yeah. Conrad Murray's mistake was when you believe the celebrity and they go, you're the best doctor. Only you can help me. Only you're the one that can do these special things for me. And oh, by the way, I've got a crash card in my bedroom. I need to be under anesthesia when I sleep. He should have immediately gone, I, I need a team. I need to buy, call in more doctors, more consultants. Right. Doing doing it alone was really his big mistake. Oh, so it's the idea of the celebrity looking to you yeah, for and, like, like, and it makes you feel well, special. Then, yes. And then they go, if you if you push back, they either dismiss you, like what happened to Deepak Chopra, or they go, you're the worst doctor ever. I'm going to make sure everyone, I'm going to destroy you. They can get really crazy. I guess so. Right. So pro, he was using propofol, which I think I've been under once for some kind of surgery. Yeah, and uh, Colonoscopy? Uh, maybe it was. It might have been. Um, can you get surgery under propofol or is it not strong enough? No, you, yeah, it's it's strong. My my sinus surgery, okay. my original one, I might have gotten in two thousand eight. But what happened is Conrad Murray was letting him go under and then not bringing him back up, like out of it. How, how did that? Propofol, I had never. It, to me, hearing that there was propofol in somebody's bedroom it was like hearing an asteroid landed in his backyard. Oh. It just doesn't exist out of an ICU or a surgical suite. Period. It's for anesthesia. Period. It's like why not use halothane gas? And do full full anesthesia and intubate the kid during the night. Why, why not that? Same yeah. thing. It's just as crazy. When you when you get, I just had some a procedure done where they put me under. It's just on my in my nose. I woke up and I had like this red kind of half a box on my on my stomach. What are they putting? Are they putting on something to help you breathe or to monitor your breathing when you're out? It looked like something had been taped on my probably, stomach. Probably some sort of a respiratory monitor. Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought it was, maybe a, it was a kick me sign. He's <laughs> <laughs> so sensitive. He gets allergies just from some. <laughs> Against his skin, and as a doctor, is it weird for you? Like when you you, you just got like another strike on your YouTube page, I think, for posting an opinion. Uh, another or something? strike. I've had so many strikes. You have right. I've been I've been pulled down by YouTube. Now we've there's so much going on out there with that. So so my main thing right now is I'm very focused on doing streaming and digital content, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, it's been really kind of interesting and fun. And on Wednesday, I do a show with a woman named Kelly Victory, who's a very uh, very smart, very opinionated ER doctor, has some public health training. Different than me, different opinions, different things, and so we kind of go at it a little bit. Yeah, we bring it. We've been bringing in all the guys who you've heard of, who have been a lot of them been on Joe Rogan. Yeah, but all of them have been silenced in one way or another. Controversy doctors, Jay Bhattacharya, yeah, yeah. Peter McCullough, Robert Malone. I want to hear what they have to say. I don't sure. agree with them. I don't. The early treatment stuff is kind of ridiculous. And stop it already, everybody. We we have data now. Come on, but but what happened to them in real time? is the history of this pandemic, and I want to hear what happened to them and what, the, what was going on. And I've learned a ton from talking to these guys. Well, because they use words, I, I don't even know if I can. I, see, I'm anxious about using words. Is that a problem on Sirius? No, I, I don't think so. Well, you've already said that the bird flu was worse than COVID. So, you, <laughs> yeah. I mean, no. you've got you, your But grave. he had both. I know. He had both. There are two words that get you canceled. Which is ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. You say uh, those two words, and you will take you down. Yeah, you him. It just I want to name like my that. children those things. <laughs> <laughs> hydroxychloroquine, get in here. <laughs> uh, uh, but you know, and I, we weren't. I am not advocating their use at all. Is that I've you know I've I've treated now hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of COVID, and I've seen people use these early treatments. It doesn't, it doesn't really work. It just doesn't. And so, fine. That that's over. 
but just saying it gets you pulled down. Wow. Saying the words. Wow, and isn't that not, crazy? It's crazy. And just doctors discussing it, just two, three physicians talking about it. It should be just medical discourse the way it has always been. And, yeah. But the good news is we have found humans at, at YouTube. We appeal to them, and they go, oh, yeah, the AI did that. They shouldn't have done that. Three doctors talking should be able to... That's where the AI is dangerous because even as doctors, like when you and Adam would talk about certain sexual things, you're allowed to do it because you're in that safe harbor at night on the radio. There's a different level of uh, looking at something, scrutiny Scrutiny. for a doctor. And the fact that a couple of doctors having a debate about a point, which is really interesting. Should be what we're all, we should have been doing it from the beginning, for God's sakes. And these guys, the fact that people were silenced for having a, a, a. Dissent is what moves science forward. The fact that these people were silenced is the most disgusting piece of this uh, pandemic. What happened? How did that happen? Like where doctors who had an opinion that wasn't Fauci's or somebody else's, instead of just being disagreed with or people going, this guy's an idiot, they just shut you up and ruin you. What started that? Well, let me also, before I tell you that story, uh, there's also in California now a new law that's about to be signed into, into law, AB 2098, which is going to encumber doctors' licenses through the Board of Medical Quality Assurance, the medical board, if they deviate from the standard of care in how they speak to their patients. Wow. Standard of care is often wrong. It's often an incomplete story that we want to share with our patients to help them understand the decision that we'll be making together. And standard of care was... When I arrived at the psychiatric hospital in 1984, where I worked for 35 years, I acquired several dozen patients who had been the object of the standard of care in the 50s. They had an ice pick jammed up their eyeball and swiped back and forth. You call that a frontal lobotomy. That received a Nobel Prize in the 40s. That was the standard of care. Standard of care! And then, in the 90s, we moved into the opioid epidemic, when the standard of care was pain is the fifth vital sign, pain is what the patient says it is, and you leave a dentist's office, you should have 90 Vicodin. Standard of care. The standard of care is often wrong. And so here's a bill that if you deviate from the standard of care, it's unbelievable. So anyway, so how did how did this happen? So what I have learned is uh, the, the, the public health authorities in our country made a giant error. They talked to their colleagues in China, and they were persuaded by them and believed them that zero COVID, that COVID could easily be contained with this new idea called lockdown. Brand new, never contemplated before. No one had ever done it, but it was going to work. And it had already worked in Wuhan. We adopted that as policy. We invented this notion, social distancing. You will not find that in an infectious disease textbook anywhere. Uh, I talked to Dr. Paul Alexander, who was at the table when they came up with the six feet thing. Made it up out of whole cloth. Just made up. Six feet. Social distancing. Social distancing is made up. Six feet is made up. Completely. And why wouldn't it work though? Social distancing, like from the, just like from the very baseline because, of if be, you're because they were talking at the time that maybe it needed to be sixty feet to be realistic. <laughs> they weren't. They didn't have a number where they go. This is demonstrably the number. There's where, never. Yeah. We don't know what never, it can travel. Right. There's yeah, yeah, yeah. never been a respiratory virus that has been controlled. Uh, excuse me, been eliminated. Controlled, yes. Right. Eliminated doesn't happen in nature. That was a fool's errand from the beginning, and the fact that they didn't think about it. But they were in it. I understand it was a there was a fog of war, and they were in a panic and blah blah blah. But the next error they made is started crushing and silencing people who had any deviation from these ideas, and so they they developed this policy of safety uberalis, safety the only thing, and. When you do anything uberalis in medicine, what does uberalis mean? Above all else, okay. uh, you didn't know that. What? I I, I've been using it incorrectly. <laughs> I told the girl to suck my uberalis. Save <laughs> <laughs> so uberalis, you're going to hurt people because it does not take into 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 account the consequences of what you're doing. And so now we're now it's coming. Now yeah. The economic, this mental health, the developmental, the education. It's just uh, it's just going to be staggering, and it has disproportionately burdened the people in the lower end of the socioeconomic spectrum. And countries that we have been, you know, you want equity. We've been doing nothing in terms of distribution to countries that are suffering from what we have done that was a fool's errand from the beginning. And then it went from safety ubralis to vaccine ubralis. So it was keep it safe until we get to the vaccine. And once we get to the vaccine, nobody can question the vaccine. No talk of anything. Just 12 and above get it or 2 and above get it, whatever. And the, the CDC said it two weeks ago. They said... 
We just simplify our messaging. Just 12 and above get it. What? what? That's not medicine. That's not medicine. Should we talk to your doctor, make the decision, do what's right? Yeah. Tw- just 12 above, get it. 12 yeah. and above, get it. Well, you got to simplify. Yeah. Simplify the messaging. <laughs> is, this a, is this a soap, you know, st- the detergent sales we're talking about? What are we doing here? Yeah, well, yeah when, but when did it start that people... Like we're punished. Like the silencing is what bugs me. Not right away. Like the opinions right away. You, I, we cannot agree with. But did that come from the government? Did that yes. come from other doctors? It came from both. So so it came from because uh, Jay Bhattacharya, who's this just great guy, brilliant epidemiologist. He's a, you know a, a consummate scientist. Been one of Fauci's you know main. Uh, Fauci has been one of his sources of uh, revenue and, and, and research and whatnot. And all of a sudden, there's all these emails going back and forth calling them fringe epidemiologists that need to be silenced. Literally, in emails. They have the emails. And then they use the forces of government to manipulate social media primarily to go after them. Yeah, it's really it's really crazy the way people were shut down. Like, I don't like Rand Paul, but the fact that... He turned out to be right about certain things, and nobody will just tell him, "Yeah, oh, you know what? We were." I, I think a lot of it too comes down to human beings just want to be right. We're, we're in this thing where we terrible. all want to be right. But it's terrible that doctors don't. We're not supposed to do that. I made some mistakes early on, and you're supposed to go. Oh, I made a mistake. I adjust a course. That, that's how we learn. That's what we do. Make mistakes all the time as doctors, and the fact that they would not evaluate what they were doing, contemplate change. Be more clear and transparent. That's I don't know if you saw the head of the NIH just two days ago said, yeah, I probably should have been so more honest about the fact that we didn't know what we were doing and that we were making our best guesses and doing the best we could. And instead of saying this is the truth, the fact, yeah, and, and you can't con- you can't even discuss it with us because it is the truth. And Uber Alice again. That's yeah. it. I get in the beginning. I get trying to avoid panic, like because people, you know what I mean. Avoid like, try- panic. They 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 use they actually indu- they they had a conscious policy of using fear. Right. That's the other thing. There's all these emails that show them we got it. They used behaviorists and things. So how can we make them fear scare them into compliance? That's disgusting, yeah. guys. That that's not. That's, that's like going back to like the '60s. But and here's the weird what we didn't mental... know. Here's what you didn't know, and I didn't know this: that as soon as they declare an emergency, public health authorities have unlimited authority they can do whatever they want in the name of the safety of the the public and that needs to be curtailed because these people many of them a lot of them are soci in la county she's a sociologist she's not even a doctor and a lot of them are pediatricians why are they pediatricians because uh, the most of public health concerns are vaccine therapies so they put pediatricians in these positions and they have Poor judgment around adult health. They don't. They they've been. They're, for instance, freaking out about the neurological effects of COVID, which are almost universally reversible. And but they can't contemplate that because they're used to thinking about kids and brain injury. Do you remember even even discussing if it started in a Wuhan lab? Just the conversation yeah. was deemed racist. Yeah. Just to say like, well, yeah. well did it or you didn't? Get thrown it. off social media. Like for not it. to say it did and Still fucked the Chinese. Mm-hmm. Just to say like, hey, what is that one? <laughs> is it possible that that happened? That's what kind of drove me crazy was the fact that they were punishing people for for the discussion like yeah where that just tell me where that fear and cleavage site come came from where did, it come from? did the cdc hit a home run would you say yeah. <laughs> well you know what you know what's interesting is at the beginning of the pandemic everything i said i mean at the end of every comment i made i i said i made sure i said just listen to the cdc yeah let fauci be your north star and i met because i'd been working with them for decades and they they were Fauci in particular was really somebody very influential in my career. I was deep in the AIDS epidemic. I was way in treating tons of AIDS patients. And Fauci was just, it just was great. I think he got adulterated. The CDC got adulterated. The, the, the craziness of this affected people that should have been beyond the, the pale. They should have been outside of all that. It also goes back to like that fame thing. Yeah. And that there are doctors that like, yeah, they want to be Michael Jackson's doctor. He says they're the best. Like, you know, you saw it with certain politici- politicians like our governor at the time was clearly going like, I, I could be the president if mm-hmm. I keep going this way. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, when when everybody's going, let Fauci be the North Star, there's something intoxicating yes. about being like, I can be the country's North Star yeah. and the, the president's going to come to me and I'll be the end. I'll be all like, there's very few of us that that wouldn't you know what I mean the, like the, Donald the, Rumsfeld when it came to defense yeah, 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 exactly. he, go, you want to be the go-to you guy you want to be guy, the, the guy so I have I have learned a lot of stuff during this and the other thing I've learned amongst the other things I've learned that hubris is the enemy yeah humility is called for in all things medical but especially something like this 
and bureaucracy is a disaster <laughs> when it comes to medicine. It doesn't change course. It's it's ossified. It's it's dangerous. Bureaucracy is a mess. And the humility thing too is so important because I think so much of this is like. Like it's it's almost it's understandable if you get something wrong in the beginning because you don't have the information, mm. but the fact that that conversation still like it it never was had it never is had like yeah. the idea that like you can't say look we said you wouldn't get COVID if you got the vaccine, we didn't know we j- we, we, no, were it, wrong, we, we were wrong data looked good we were wrong we were like, data looked really good but we used it on a large scale over a longer period of time turned out that was wrong just tell me That's you it. were wrong simple just tell yeah. me you were wrong simple. and and now we'll go we think this is the way to go. Yeah. We could be wrong. But when you say we think in anything, you can't dictate. You must. That's right. The mandate stuff was crazy. That was crazy. All of it. All the mandate stuff was super, super out of of line. Were you against it from the beginning or did you change your opinion? Mandate? Yeah. Uh, I was generally. I remember I have friends with a governor of one of the. I don't want to out him, but he called me and he goes. God, they're requiring me to mandate this because that's that's not my job. It's not why I'm making governor to tell people what to do. And there's a guy. Somebody's named, by the way, the requiring yeah. the governor to do it. Yeah, like, do you understand? Well, like how? Well, the New York Times editorial board is coming after me. Who the f are they? Yeah. <laughs> why did they have a place at the table? Right. They have zero medical training. That was the part that was cr- killing me. Is that people that have no business even having an opinion? But there's a morality right. to it instead of it being. Oh my God. Well, there's a religion to it. They, right. they, the Z dog calls it the Covidians and the Covidiots. And, <laughs> and think about it. You were you were sallied. You were dirty. You were you were either in or out. You were you know just, there was a canon to it. There was a, it was just, it was handled the way everything else is handled. Meaning the way we look at anything in this country is 100% this or it's 100% that. And I've fallen into it it's too been that way lately it's really hard to, to get out of it because there's you, a name for that psychopathology yeah <laughs> so, it, it's very black, frustrating all yeah all black or all white not a good way to be what yeah. did you think of biden's statement recently because I, I i think that uh, you said the thing's over no no, 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 over. Oh, no no i was only thinking about uh yeah he looks like bush on the fucking uh you know saying that uh the war in afghanistan was over mission that? accomplished mission accomplished, <laughs> mission accomplished. no no we i did was, it <laughs> him saying he's gonna cure cut cancer deaths in half Within thirty years, um, how how close are we to get, curing cancer? There's this new blood test that they say can test for fifty yeah. types. It's kind of the Elizabeth Holmes idea. So, uh, Elizabeth Holmes idea was flawed from the beginning. No, it might be the same theme as that. Yeah. Like it's going to do this. Uh, the the I work for an organization called the Prostate Cancer Foundation, which is a great a group that uh, funds research, and so I get to sit every couple of weeks in a lecture and, and hear what's latest in cancer, latest, latest, latest mm. stuff that's embargoed, nobody else gets to see. And it is un. If I were to go back into, if I were a young physician going into training, I would be an oncologist today because it's so exciting. Back when I was a resident, you would look at oncology and go, "Oh my God, why would you do that? No, right. everybody die. Everybody now." The majority of cancers are treatable, if not curable. Wow. Now, already, already we're there. Your, your prognosis with opiate addiction is significantly worse than 90% of cancers. Wow. Okay? So I think about that. And I've been saying that for a long time, and that, that number only gets worse and worse and worse. Wow. Opiate addiction is more deadly than most cancers. They they uh, the test that can test for fifty kinds because that's I, I just, that's kind of my obsession is I don't want to get that cancer yeah and I went for the scan and even like because I was worried about pancreatic because that that's like stage four and then you have pancreatic okay, cancer so, so the the blood test is it, going to be a convenience I don't think it's going to make that much difference the the reality is there are some solid tumors lung pancreas colon that if they get away you're fucked. Yeah. Right. Uh, even that, though, we've been dialing back a little bit, and there might there are some things I've seen on the lectures I've been sitting in that they might have a key to unlock some of that stuff too. So we're getting very close on these things. Hematologic cancers expect a cure. What's that? Is that blood? Uh, yeah, like leukemia, lymphoma, stuff. Like that. Expect cure. Hodgkin's expect cure. Expect it. My- myeloma, mm, we got a little trouble with, but I'm seeing lots of long-term survival with that, too. So there's just so much we can do with the majority of cancers. So do you think within 10 years we'll be in a much better place than we're in now? It's sort of weird for him to say we're going to improve survival by 50%. I, it, we're doing so well already that people are looking for more like 90%. That's what right. we really want to do. You know what I mean? 50% of a small number, I, I don't, I'm not sure quite sure what that means. So yes, it will be a lot better than 30 years. A lot better. It may suddenly leap forward too. I hope so. What did you think going back to when he said that the pandemic's over? 
I I really admired. I'm so appreciative of what he said because it was very honest, which I've been looking for from our bureaucrats forever. It was spontaneous, and he and he sort of said what everybody's thinking. Hey, he goes, hey, look around, has a look. <laughs> Things look pretty good, right? We're not yeah. wearing masks. Yeah, look around. What the hell? What are you talking? <laughs> We're about? in a car show with no masks. Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean. everybody's fine. It's it, it's around. It's endemic. Everybody, which means everybody gets it eventually. But and it's going to be around for a thousand years, and and that's that, and it's over. And the the, the pandemic phase is over now we're in the endemic phase it's weird when you first get it like i, I got it once and sam's had it once it, when you first realize you have it it's scary because again there's been so much around you like and it really did turn out to not be i, I was well, vaccinated but it, it wasn't i i had i had it before the vaccine before anything before all we have we thank god we're just starting to use monoclonal antibodies and uh i was sick as shit i was really sick i, I mean i was maybe needing hospitalization like getting close and i was sort of hanging wow. it with my were sister. you scared that was the strangest question anybody asked me. And you're asking it right yes. now. Because the fatality rate as I sat in my bedroom sick as hell was 1% for my age group. When a doctor tells you you have a 99% chance right. of survival, yeah. he is telling you you're going to survive. Yeah. It, I didn't get scared at all. Oh, you didn't, didn't, even, okay. didn't even occur to me to be afraid because I knew it was a 1% fatality. Now, I wanted to stay out of the hospital because I thought, mm, if I need hospitalization, it goes up to 10%, and I, I don't like right. those numbers so much. That's still 90% survival. Right. And what I, what I ended up doing was after about three or four days in, I got monoclonal antibodies, and they were strikingly effective, like immediately I was better. And I started doing Instagram Live to try to, this is another failure of public health. They should have been telling people how to deal with the illness. How do you get better? The government had bought 500,000 doses of monoclonal antibodies. They were available to everybody for free. For free. And instead of knowing that and listening to that, people went, oh, you got special care. You have money. You can do it. I got, no, I didn't pay anything for it. Guy came to my house, infused me, and you can have that too. Here's where you go. And I pushed that out as hard as I could. Wow. Never heard a public health official talk about that. How to deal with the illness well, to make it safer. Because the only reason you would get the illness is because you're bad. All <laughs> right, I've sinned. I've sinned. Yeah. You're a bad I'm a guy. Sinner, I'm a sinner. So, you know, why would you need to treat it? You're evil. Yeah, but it is crazy how it's not, it doesn't mean anything like if somebody gets it now or if you're, I don't even think of being around people for like I've in had the twice. club. I've had it maybe three times now. And uh, Omicron is a lot different. And I've treated hundreds of cases, hundreds and hundreds of cases. And I, so I've seen all the versions. I got Omicron, though. I, I, got, I got the easier version. Yeah, 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 I did. Omicron's a lot yeah, different. And, and we could come up with a you know a nasty variant could show up somewhere along the way here. But we have so much treatment. Paxlovid changed the game. Uh, you know, it's this antiviral treatment. It's we, we If you're under the age of 65, we don't really know what we're doing with it. There's a lot of it being used under 65 that we don't have the science to substantiate that yet. Same thing with the vaccines, uh, so clearly beneficial, particularly over the age of 75. But let's get honest about, you know, under 30, it's like, mm, well, I think so. It's hard to tell. We make your decision with your doctor because yeah. there are some signals that are concerning that it might be some stuff going on for the vaccine in young males, particularly. What kind of stuff? Well, myocarditis for sure. I, they, I've what is that? Seeing, it's inflammation of the heart muscle. Oh, okay. I started seeing myocarditis ads on TV. Do you seen this? This no. is in New York. There's a myocarditis cartoon that, I don't know if you can find it, it's out there, which teaches people how to know the signs and symptoms. It's that common now that you have to have a PSA to raise awareness about it. I thought that's shat. And yeah. we're not having a big conversation about this. But myocarditis, before the vaccine, myocarditis in a young person was a dire emergency. This was like, oh my God, we got to get in the hospital right away. Horrible complications can occur. Now, the reality is most of this seems to be reversible. We think, but it got, it's got to be better studied, better discussed. How long after, like, how do you know your heart is big? <laughs> like, how do you know? You have a lot You're, of love to give. People say that's my best quality, not to make it about me. How do you know if that's happening? Uh, you don't really know. You will. You, so, so a big heart just means a muscle that's getting saggy and it's not functioning normally, right? Oh. And so it doesn't contract normally. Right. You push the blood forward with the same force, and blood starts backing up behind the heart, and you get short of breath, and you get swelling in your legs. So those are the two main symptoms. Now it can present as arrhythmias, you know, sudden death. It can, there's the cartoon. There it is. It's crazy. The first, uh, now, is there? Uh, I don't know if there even are statistics, but 1. like you 5. said, there was, uh, you know, the one percent, 99% survival rate, and that's why you weren't worried about COVID. Yeah. Do we have any sort of statistic as to how related this 
could be to any vaccine or anything? It, it, in, in males getting the Moderna vaccine, the it's clearly happening at a rate about five times that of COVID. Uh, the, the, but then people go, well, but COVID causes some bad stuff too, and, and it seems to be totally reversible. Seems to be, which gotcha. I agree. Seems gotcha. To. So they're still looking at it, studying it, trying to figure out. And, and I just don't. I, it's just a signal, and until yeah. the, and we should be discussing that signal until we figure out what's fact. Are what's, there are there long term that you've seen? I mean, who knows? It hasn't been that long, but does it seem like there are long term effects of COVID or early COVID yeah. more so than later and, COVID? And, and by the way, I get I get accused for because I vaccine and boost my 75 i've created care of a lot of octogenarians and older people and i vax them and boost them and it i see no side effects and it really helps them i'm called a vaccine shill like i'm getting money from the vaccine companies how where how would that work i'm starting to think (laughs) i'm starting to think that there's some mentally ill people in this country that use everything they can just to kind of complain yes further well have you been on twitter (laughs) yes and honestly i'm a hit on twitter (laughs) (laughs) honestly you know what didn't help the level of mental illness locking everybody up at home with the internet to just read whatever they wanted to read and really bad create their bubble around them bad but but do you see like are there are there long-term effects that you're at all concerned Concerned so, with or? Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it's a it's a nasty illness that yeah. can any nasty illness can have long term effects. But I'm seeing it from the vaccine too. Interesting. Uh, the question is, at what incidence? Let's get that data right to see what's going on. Uh, you can see, as we said, these you know long COVID. There's a group I'm working with called CovidLongHaulers.com, and they've got a bunch of great data. And one of the observations is is this thing called non-classical monocytes, which are these cells that go into the central nervous system, immune cells, and are supposed to go through a normal life cycle and die there, are staying alive and creating inflammation, and we're finding spike proteins in those monocytes. So there's something going on in long COVID that's real, <clears throat> and it uh, seems to... Look, the one thing that people have lost faith of strangely, particularly the people that are the most sort of holistic, is that bodies heal. Bodies heal. We get better. We heal. Even when the injuries are bad, we tend to heal. Now, not saying that everybody's going to heal. There is such a thing as chronic illness, but bodies do tend to heal, and that is true of COVID generally. Has it become difficult for you that- By the way, I had long COVID twice. You did? Wow. Yeah. Has it become difficult for you that certain uh, medical or scientific- I don't even want to use the word opinion, but opinions have had uh, a political agenda oh attached my God, to them now. I so can't even like, believe it. Right. I can't even believe you, it. Because you spent, I mean, you know, I've been watching you on, since you were on Love Line. Yeah. And nine, you were- 30 years ago. Non-political guy, yeah. doctor guy. But, and by the and way- And it feels like in the last, like, you know, couple of years- I'm still not. I am not. <laughs> it's, I am not. I'm just talking about medicine. And back then, yeah. by the way, in the 90s, I used to have to fight the right- because they were taking on the HPV vaccine and the morning after pill and all they were going crazy about that stuff back then. You forget those battles. Yeah. They were rough. Yeah. The FCC came in at one point, if you remember, after the Janet Jackson- uh, 2003, yeah. Yeah, they came in and started saying you can't use any anatomic terms. I was 10 o'clock and I had a physician talking about biology. That thankfully passed without, yeah. without being reinforced. But and then all of a sudden now it's complete coming from the other side wants to silent and and take issue with anything you say. I'm I am moderate. I'm right in the middle. I have no strong yeah. opinions either way. This is insane to me that medicine can't is politicized. The it fact is that funny, doctors like, behaved the way they did during this pandemic was breathtaking. It kind of makes you feel like people are all the same. Like uh, years ago, it was the right doing it. Now it's the left doing it. Like yeah. it kind of makes you feel like wow, there's no difference. <laughs> it's just the yeah. same people. Well, it's a mindset. Yeah. you're just attaching it, different the, values to the mindset. The enemy is the excesses. Excess. Yeah, it, you know, stay. You know, like you said, black or white. You know, all this way, all that way. That is a bad, not a great way to think. Just stay, kind of in the middle, and understand most of reality is gray. It's right in the middle somewhere, and yeah, and you have to sort of try to understand things on all sides. And when you think that way, though, people who are completely. Um, dug in on their side will accuse you of being middle of the road because I, I they off both sides because <laughs> yes because they think that they're brave instead of realizing that i think it's very cowardly to need the group protection right like to need the the ideological protection of one group always well um, you've seen this guy this belgian uh, uh 
psychologists to develop this notion of mass formation psychosis. It's a really interesting no. construct. I don't know if I agree with it or not. I'm going to interview the guy on uh, my Wednesday show, three o'clock Pacific time. Oh boy, time. here comes another strike. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> no, for sure. And so, and so, we sometimes we get we get taken down in the middle of the show. We just go over to Rumble. We are allowed to say whatever. And but that's a right leaning platform. Which is Some the right leaning? No, I just want to talk to him. Yeah, they, Drew's. Uh, he's like, this is my medical opinion. Oh, I have to go on Rumble. Oh, you're one of those Rumble yeah, guys. Right, exactly. Uh, yeah. I would go. Is it, please give me yeah. another option. Put up the link on Truth Social. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right, right. So what you, what's this but, guy about mass psychosis? So his he he has studied historical moments where there have been mobs and, and hysterias. And, you know, there's this famous book called Extraordinary Popular Delusions and the Madness of Crowds. People have been studying the madness of crowds for since the French Revolution. And he said, you know, there's several things that set it up. One is free float, a lot of anxiety for some reason, uh, social isolation and lack of meaning. He just described America. Yeah, so okay. good, so lack of today. meaning in the person themselves? Yeah, lack of purpose, oh. lack of finding meaning, that kind of thing. And Like that, the thing that happens when you get locked at home with nothing to do. Oh, God, yes. They, they were oh like God. that before, though. People they, were like that before. They were like that before. Sure. And so this was the setup he's found in all these different situations where this stuff has taken hold. And, he, and then he said some sort of charismatic leader saying something, some sort of words to sort of get people going. Then he said, then you will, you will sort of... Be, as a way of dealing with that social isolation, you'll start to identify with a tribe, and that will feel good because now you're socially connected. And that tribe will have a, set, have a set of rituals attached to it, mask wearing. And the more those rituals become detached from a, a, a known wisdom, in other words, fact, the more the science develops, the more they stick to the ritual. So the you see people outside wearing surgical masks, which makes no sense whatsoever. Zero science for that. The surgical mask doesn't work. Outdoors, the virus doesn't transmit. It, but as a signal, as we have signaling your inclusion with those other groups, you'll cling even more to these rituals that become less and less sensical. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, yeah. a couple of the guys were saying on their way in the other day, they saw a guy wearing a mask on his bicycle Oh yeah, riding to work. Well, yeah, listen, yeah, they, like, they did a famous study in Stanford. Yeah. They did a, Stanford did a same famous study: students wearing masks on their bikes versus helmets. And, <laughs> and it was like it was like ten percent versus eighty percent. <laughs> and it's like the mask was doing nothing. The helmet is a significant safety measure. They were not wearing helmets, and it's just it's so stupid. It's great. And, and by the way, for, for the for the record. And well-fitting in 95 masks, you can protect yourself a little bit with that if you use it without exception. You don't take it off to eat or drink. You pretend as though you're a physician or a nurse going into a room with an infected patient. How do we protect ourselves? I can't come unless we, I do that. We <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> a well-fitting in 95 masks, you can afford yourself some protection, but you're doing nothing for anybody else. Nothing. So there you go. Yeah. Right. Yeah, the N95, I, I, I wore right. masks, and I believed in it, but then you do hear, like, yeah, this is the only one that's effective. Yeah, it just isn't, it didn't work. Plus, you're taking it off to eat and stuff. Then immediately, that completely negates the whole thing. Yeah. So it's so silly. It's yeah. just so silly. We've yeah. Been so, we need to do better. I'll, I'll tell you what I appreciate about you, Dr. Drew. I was watching one of your clips very recently, and you... Uh, Normalizing phimosis. I got tagged uh, on one of the clips. You have yeah, phimosis. I had. Yes. Uh, took care of it. Yes, on his neck. You. <laughs> <laughs> he had a turtleneck. <laughs> yeah, two turtlenecks. <laughs> yes. You saying there was nothing wrong? Phimosis is normal. There's nothing. I mean, it happens all the time. Yes. It's why it's for the main reason for male circ for adult circumcision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can, and was, phimosis is no fun, man. If you no, get it. No, it's, I was yeah. circumcised when I was 19. Mm-hmm. Because and I. Didn't know what the name or anything was, but later it was like, yeah, this is a thing that happens. It's famosis, but you can you can slow down for Jim. Take care of it. <laughs> Sammy's little well, you know, apparently Sammy's wee wee would fill up with tinkle. That's what would happen, right? You when you, you go to the well, bathroom. Well, between it, yeah, the foreskin, yeah, yeah. yeah. But then later, if you're trying to function sexually, you got to pull the head of the penis out, and that it will tear. The, the foreskin will tear, and that causes it to shrink even more around the head. And it hurts when it gets around the head of the penis. It strangulates it. And so 
you can just take your you can take the four cent off of their babies. They don't feel a damn thing. But can't you, you, <laughs> you don't have to put your teenagers <laughs> through this? Can't you? Can't they stretch it a little bit? Like can't is there anything you could take yep, that just are, kind of stretches the skin? So you have to take it off. There are exercises that you do. Just, wow. That's the first. Okay, you know who wants to go get a circumcision when they're nineteen years sure. old? Good. Exercise. You try can, this. Yes, yes. Try the exercise. Stretching. Stretching. Yeah, don't bother I'm, me. I'm working out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing my medical exercises, mom. In my yeah. experience. That doesn't sucks. Work. It doesn't, doesn't work. work. It didn't do a goddamn it, thing. It, it tears. It, yeah. it stretches. It tears, and then that scars more, and then it's yeah, great. yeah. No, it so was. Once you get to the point that it's over the head, you're like, mm, let me get this thing off. How was yeah. the recovery? The recovery uh, in the short term. I mean, it was. It was it's too painful. It's like two nasty weeks, right? Yeah, like yeah. they and they try to like. You don't have to it. have that if you circumcise your children. I circumcised yeah. my son immediately. Yeah. Were you yeah. asleep when they did it? Totally out? Yeah, yeah. They okay. knock you out. Um, but they go, they go, look, it's Purple not that pole. big of a deal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they go, there are, there are uh, you know, men who get it done. They get it done on a Friday after work. They're yeah. back at work yes, on Monday. That's true. And I was like, yeah, but what they don't tell you is that it's not an easy Monday. No. Yeah. It is about two weeks of yeah. like, I mean, it gets real swollen. Yeah. yeah. A, lot like, of I ice, a lot of ice packs, a lot yes. of sitting there. We're walking around in like baggy, like pajama pants or yeah. sweatpants yeah. and stuff yeah. like that. Uh, yeah. Fun. It was a two weeks. Two week recovery, Real, especially that the penis is so sensitive, look like at, to have look agony. At like, oh, yeah, I yeah. That, that, I mean, I'm circumcised, but that the idea. Of, I wish I wasn't. Though. I wish I wasn't. I'm always. You want to go through that? No, no, not the, for the. The risk for, isn't worth it. Not for, for most. I literally do it. I thought there was a a some kind of a gel hardened gel padding between my my skin and the bandage. You know, because the bandage comes yeah. off in the bath. Yeah. And I realized, like, I was like, "What is, is this padding or this gel, this hardened gel thing going to come off?" And I was like, poking it. I was like, "That's me." The scar. That's the swelling and yeah, the scar. Yeah, like, yeah. It, and I mean, it went down. Obviously. Do you have a visible scar or no? Uh yeah. I mean, it, not like a nothing. Not really like a noticed. Frankenstein yeah. right, right, type right. of scar, but you can kind of see. Yeah, you can see why, where the. Why word. do you want to be uncircumcised? I just figure sex is a little more pleasurable. No, I, I don't. I've heard. I've heard. How much more pleasurable is going to be, bro? Sex rules. <laughs> Um, no, how, I, how I much know. better is it going to be? And by the way, uh, and I don't. I <laughs> talked to people about that for many, many years, and it was not the routine call. Like I, I wish I had more sensitivity. I came faster. You never got that call. No, I come, I come super fast. It's totally fine. No, I always thought that if, if, if your dick's not rubbing on your jeans all day, like it's, if you're protected, I figured your head would be a little more sensitive. Yeah, so you come faster. Good. I wouldn't mind yeah. that, though, because for me, I've, I've given it a beating, Dr. Drew. I <laughs> well, you can back off a little bit. Yeah. Maybe that, that'd be all you need to do. Remember when we yeah. talked about excesses a minute ago? And yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's been a, there's been a lot of uh, combat. Yeah. So, yeah. And I, I would imagine if you had been not circumcised, you still would have done enough damage. Maybe, yeah. I just, I, I guess, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 the grass is always greener. <laughs> yeah. No, this whole notion that I need more sensitivity is just not. It's unusual that men need more sensitivity. Yeah. There, there are guys that have delayed ejaculation. There's such a thing, but generally, more sensitivity doesn't even change that. How long does it take? Like, because I haven't uh, jerked off in a while. Like, I'm what? really. I'm, you okay? I know. <laughs> I know. What's wrong? I'm trying to because it's so addictive and it's so like then it becomes the only thing you can do to feel pleasure. So I stopped it for those reasons. Yeah. And it's been like I haven't since I think December. Um. So I'm on a run. I Almost a year since I jerked off. Yeah. Um. You know I do hump my pillow. Uh, he's lying. <laughs> no. No, I really haven't. Um. I still think in 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 ways like that, and I'll still like occasionally look at some porn on Twitter, but. You can't give yourself like the holidays or something. No, because I I, I had gone fifteen months without it. Jesus, oh. how was that? It was okay. I mean, you, you felt better, but then the minute I started, it, woof. Really funny it, how that works. <laughs> off to the every day online on the computer. At least it tells you that like you also probably would not be okay. I just have a drink. I'll have one drink exactly and I'll be right. fine. It's I exactly can't stop right. tugging. Yeah, right. no, it's the same as any other addiction. Yeah, right? it's just it's like okay, I made it fifty months. I can handle a drink. Can, yeah. Yeah. yeah, boom. <laughs> but go. I feel better during sex now though. Like a little, I'm not doing it myself all the time. It does yeah. feel better. Yeah, right. Like, I come sure. faster now, but that's great. Do you yeah. still have like? Moments where you have to stop yourself, meaning like you go like absolutely, yeah, yeah. I'm in public. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course you have to. Yeah, so I want to, but I'm like, nah. I know the road this leads down. It's not worth it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. You have to think big picture all the time. Yeah, think yeah. it through. Think it be all the way zoned through. out in front of the computer all day. No, no, no. All no, no. The, by the way, that's the problem. 
I know. All day. I yeah. Get it. No, you know. Like but for most but, of us, it's yeah. like be zoned out in front of the computer for six minutes. Yeah, but that's Jim. That yeah. he knows, he thinks it through, and he knows that's where it goes, and that's not okay. He doesn't yeah. want to do that. I don't yeah. Him. By the way, did you start doing that all day stuff again after the fifteen months? Yes. Oh, shit. I did, because I was catching up on old friends. Of course. By oh, the my way. God. So-and-so is back in town. Let me look at her head. <laughs> by, the way, what, by the way, what? You said, by the way. Uh, I, 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 oh, yeah. you and Adam are doing uh, totally disconnected from what we're talking about. A love boat watch through. Oh, you. Oh, my God. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> we we on, th- on our Thursday, our Friday shows, we started, uh, we haven't been doing it lately, but we would just, we... Adam is so, his brain is so strange. Very interesting and, guy, yeah. Interesting brain, and I and I mean strange in the most interesting sort of positive way. And he he's was very affected by growing up in the seventies, and he starts he occasionally will go down these rabbit holes where he looks at commercials from the seventies or TV shows right, from yeah. the seventies as these sort of anthropological caps time capsules. And we started looking at uh, Love Boat and examining it, you know, like as though we had a microscope out on all these actors and actresses and what was going on and what was passable and what was what was television, what was good TV, what 20 million people watched it's every like, Friday. It's crazy how many people. I think we, yeah. we were going to interview or we did we interview Ted Glass from that show. Ted um, and uh, the the um, the guy that played the um, the bartenders around too. What's his name? Can't remember his name, but I was gonna. We were gonna interview him too. I don't remember. <laughs> Gavin McLeod died. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, they always yeah. had crazy guests. So I, I was never a huge Love Boat fan. Me neither. But, but now it has that whole like nostalgia thing to it. And so Kitch. I kind of well, one yeah. of the one of the things that jumped out at us was we're looking at these female actresses and the men too, uh, who were like early fifties. Yeah. And, and they look like a seventy year old now. Yes. Yeah. I mean they, that that people as they aged were aged you know they they got they had certain kind of hairdos and certain kinds of dress and you sort of became that stage of life now we sort of i don't know we we don't want to acknowledge it or we i mean hide my, it or... my my favorite thing is the comparisons people post to with pictures of wilford brimley, brimley yes yeah. and like he's 54 i know he was 50 yes four we'll go on the love boat and look at some of the uh some so they and everybody you know olivia de Havilland, everyone was on that show it was crazy and that's what gavin mcleod in some of his interviews used to always say he goes you know i got to interact with the the greats right you know, it was a big deal for him even though they were just playing schlock and he was on mary tyler moore which yes. is one of the best shows ever yes yeah and he was great on that yes uh, yeah, Wilfred Brimley and Paul Rudd same are the age. same age. Yeah. There's also this thing too, I think, <laughs> with so uh, trying to look younger. Like Jared Kushner said it, and it was interesting. He said, "My generation, his, his generation, meaning is either going to be that's who he's talking about his his, his g- 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 generation. Yeah, he was talking about his. <laughs> they're going to be uh, either the last ones to die or the first ones to live forever, and that might be a little dramatic. But I like we keep getting closer to that place where they're going to figure out how to upload." To a computer. So Ray Kurzweil like, is obsessed no, with that. You think like my happen. kids are going to live forever? No, not. You don't happen. think. What no. do you think is going to happen no. with that? Uh, the uploading thing is totally a flawed notion. You have to have a body to have a brain. Singularity. The, the brain is embodied. It's in, embedded in a body, and it's it, the body and the autonomic nervous system is key function of who we are and all that. Without that, it's it's a different thing. And so see, you what, think there are like, but each, each things in your body that create. Oh, personality. Oh, 100%. And, a lo- a lo- I mean, so? All feelings come out of your body. Feelings are generated from your the body, your heart, your gut. But if they're all, let me ask you, if they're all physical things, if, if it's a physical thing and there's chemical reactions to it and they can break down what those chemicals are, is there a way for, you know, maybe not where we're at with computing now, but for that to be captured and like meaning... The things that we think are soul or personality, if they really are just physical reactions or just things that have an A, B, and a C, is there a way to capture that? And then, it's a it's a noble pursuit, and and I don't say never to anything, but it, just the fact that a synapse is like a tiny computer, and there are trillions of synapses, yeah. it's like, and then the whole thing is embodied, and sensory is so important. Even in just AI, they're having real problems with this. You know, if you don't have a sensory input with the world you, you can't really have intelligence and so there's all kinds of things that they're trying to work on and now they may maybe they'll solve some of the stuff but in terms of the biological pursuit of eternity I, please everybody get to know a 95 year old or somebody that's 105 
Somebody who's been old for twenty years. I have. I always it's, take their savings. It's <laughs> but it's it's miserable. Yeah, that you don't. We are so hidden from aging that we imagine that you know somehow we'll be thirty at one hundred and twenty. No, you'll be one hundred and twenty, and it you it just there's an inexorable thing that happens, and it, it is pretty awful at advanced ages. So it's and also, be realistic. Let's get to a hundred. Everybody live well. Good lives. Whatever happened to the idea of a good life? Right, a life well lived, a life that has purpose and meaning and, and helps other people and stuff. It's, it's good. It's adequate. It, it's enjoy it while for, you're here. Forever. It's. Ugh. I'd rather talk to Ray Kurzweil about this. He makes me feel better. <laughs> Tells me I'm going to live forever. It also seems like even physically, if you could be like, okay, I'm in, I'm in decent physical health for 120 years, you'd just be exhausted. Yes, by all you, your experiences, you, you, like yes. I've done enough. But if you were yes. like, don't forget, didn't Romans die when they were thirty-five or forty? Like life yes. expectancy. Yes. So imagine telling them you're going to live to be ninety, or life expectancy oh. will be. Yeah, but imagine having to live like a Roman for a yeah. hundred years. I, I have. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, but you know, just like they, they would have thought it was incomprehensible because their bodies. And forget Romans. Uh, there's a great TV show called The Nick. Do you ever see The Nick? Yeah, I have. Yeah, yes, I, I was actually in an episode of that. I had a momentary interaction. Were you a corpse? Uh, no, I should have been, though. I well, was very nervous. I, 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 remember if I, 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 I had a mustache. I played like a projectionist or something. I, oh, I love that show so much. Who was the uh, lead in the Clavon? Clavon. But it was, it was so accurate. I mean, they, they, oh, really? the details were so perfect. I mean, they both the way he portrayed the drug addict. He was addict, great. Everything was just... Uh, oh, was uh, he a drug addict? I never watched it. I just <laughs> I, I watched his scene. He develops a cocaine addiction. And the, really, the great thing is that at the very end, he gets psychotic and manic and destroys things and they take him to a place where they treat addictions and it's it's a <laughs> they take him in and they this doctor goes yeah i know listen you're we're peers you have an illness we now know this is an illness all this familiar language we're all used to today. right we know what to do with this now it's a biological process you're in withdrawal you're having this and that because and we have a treatment for this now and i will i will give it to you and you'll feel much better he injects him and you just see him just go back in bed like he's and they pull back Heroin. Ah. <laughs> and we're doing the same thing today. Yeah. We just replace one drug for the other. But it's pills it's, now, so it's fine. We, yeah, I know, exactly. But yeah. but why did I bring it up? Oh, so in the opening episode, uh, his superior, his sort of mentor, Clive Owens' mentor, also develops cocaine addiction. He's the one that hooks Clive Owens on the cocaine. And he kills himself. The old man kills himself. And at his funeral, Clive Owen goes, the advances of medicine today, turn of the 20th century, are never been thought of before. A child born today can expect to live to the age of 45. Right. Turn of the century, not Roman times. So the people didn't leave much past their forties, fifties until re, until twentieth century. But like it's it, it's also like by quality too. Like you don't want to be ninety and feel ninety. But what if when you're ninety in a few years you feel sixty five? It, it, it's it's not it's just not going to be like that. It just isn't. It's it's it, it may be. And by the way, sixty five isn't that great. So, but <laughs> but, uh, but it 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 may be somewhat like that. But I'm just telling you, there will be aging. There just will be. And it's it's tough. I know, and I resist it. And I think me too. I resist it too. I don't want it. I, I and let's do our best to push it back. And you've I, done I, so much, though, Doctor Drew. Aren't you like enough? Oh, enough. <laughs> you were on goddamn Love Line in '94. Like I was a it was kid yesterday. watching it was you. Yesterday, I was a child watching <laughs> you, you on though. TV. Damn, that makes me feel good. Yes. your mom's a fan. <laughs> I know. I hear that all the time. Some like, girl with giant tits. My dad loves you. Great, like, great news. You were on Tough Crowd when I was in college. You were you were both. The influence of people for so long, it's like enough already. I'm Don't a, you I'm, ever feel that, that way? Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's enough. And you're doing like, but look I love, how much you're still doing. It's enough. You no, know, I, I have some of that. But yeah. but I also love working. I love what I'm doing. I love um, all this. I'm, I'm very I'm very fortunate that, you know, I didn't expect any of this. I was going to be just a physician, you know, doing my, my 14-hour days, which is what I did for a long time. And uh, and then I had these opportunities and these creative things, and it's just this craziness. I guess when you're a physician that works 14-hour days, it's like, wow, you podcast like six hours? Or it's like, it's yeah, been, I can handle been, it. Every, everything has been a vacation yeah. since I stopped doing that. But it is yeah. a lot, though. It's a, it's a no, lot it's to talk so, when you don't have to. Like you, It's you, so easy. It's so easy yeah. compared to the real jobs. And, and the only thing I worry about is when you talk on a microphone for three, four hours a day, you're gonna slip. You're gonna say sure. something that somebody's gonna sh give you shit yeah. about. This, yeah, oh, this, yeah, this is the stuff that will unfortunately live forever. I know, I know. The, the dumb stuff that we say into microphones will unfortunately. No, I know, and and you and you and today, this is the really shitty part. 
you're not given the opportunity to correct. Right. You can't say no, or no, contextualize no. Or, even, or even to describe what you meant. And by the way, I have learned learned all, so much during this pandemic that what what goes viral, yeah, when something goes viral, it is never what you said; it's what somebody said you said, which right. is always some yeah. sort of weird twist on what you actually said. You're going, like, no, no, it's not what I meant. It's not what I meant. Yeah. No one cares. Do you want to watch the? Do you want to watch the three-minute clip? I'm not going to watch it. (laughs) Because because people they know your context. They don't care. That's the big thing. They want the outrage. They want. They want. Don't ruin this for me. It's not about the people. uh, Put it in context. They they don't care about the context. They 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 purposefully ignore it, which is really ugly um but i have been a fan since 84 your wheel of fortune um i i've never seen it fuck you <laughs> <laughs> i think that's pretty awesome that you did wheel of fortune i did i a friend of mine uh went on there and won a car and i was like well, shoot I, I i could do that too then so between medical school and residency i had two weeks off so i went down to merv griffin studios and waited in line on whatever <laughs> highland or whatever we were on and uh, oh, so this is this is you're looking at an Ellen episode. Hold on, don't don't. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> Look at you. you. Oh my god. So. Look at boyish young so, Bill Gates. I, yeah, yeah, I do look Bill Gates. I got destroyed by the wheel. The woman next to me just cleaned up. Yeah. The, I just kept getting bankrupt, <laughs> lose a turn, whatever. And I never thought about that as part of the part of the game. And uh, went in there, lost very quickly. And. Um, I was always super embarrassed about it and ashamed what? of it because it's just look at me. But it's you look pathetic. better now. Like the reality is, when you look great when you're young, and then you get older and you look like shit. But you actually look better now than you look then. You I, should feel great about I, that. I, I do like that, but this was still so. I was so. I don't know. I don't. I. Don't, I, I the embarrassment. I understand. I feel that probably about the first twenty eight years of my career. Yeah, I, I understand. I needed it. to grow up, and uh, this is just like. Blech. Anyway, so um, Ellen's. Uh, producer dug this thing up. She had to go into the Merv Griffin libraries and oh, find wow. this thing. And uh, and they presented me with this on a interview with Alan. Were you shocked that they had it? Oh, I was. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I could not believe it. Yeah. And uh, and I thought to myself. I said it on the show. She goes, "Well, what did you learn by watching yourself?" And I go, "You know what I learned? Face your fears." Because yeah. it, it wasn't that bad. I've, no. I've been ashamed and afraid of this thing for 20 years, and I just lived through it, and it's going to be okay. So everybody face your fears. Was it hard in front of the audience? Yes. Yeah, so I, I just want to hear what your voice sounded oh like. We don't have God. to watch the whole clip. Oh I just want to hear God. the voice. Oh I'd like to hear. I'd like to hear. Just the, no! yeah. just the voice. I think it's a good idea. Oh, God. 30 years ago. <laughs> you're kidding. No, I'm not. Let's watch together. Oh, no. Uh, what else do you like to do when you're not to have a good Oh, boy. A lot of things. I uh, sing opera when I have a little bit of time. Like a tea, please. No. No key. Is there a P? No C, no P. <laughs> yeah, you can't. Is there an N? Nope. 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 <laughs> they didn't have an N. Yeah. So, uh, did you say you sang opera? Yeah. I've, I, I, I've learned that about you recently. Um, yeah. And do you still sing it or you used to? Um, I used I do still sing a little bit, but, but um, you know, I was on The Masked Singer. And because uh, when they brought out that show, I'm like, hey, guys, I should be on that. I've sang for many years. I, now I just sing like national anthems at the Kings game and the Dodger game and stuff like that. It's really fun. How hard is that song to sing? That seems very hard. Yeah. I make them lower to fifth from where it should otherwise be. <laughs> and uh, I make sure I don't do it a cappella either. I do it with the organist. You know, do you have so, lyrics in front of you? Because I know I would forget. Uh, it makes me nervous when they're not there. But at Dodger Stadium, they put them up on the jumbotron. <laughs> so you so, can't. So, but it, the Kings, you're, you're on your own, if I remember right. And that's intense, man. The king, they you walk out onto the. Oh, is this? You're going to show me a. Yeah, there it is. Wow. Yeah, they, you walk out onto the ice by yourself, and this you can listen. Well, no, the I, the recording was actually shit. Anyway, now you can really sing. Do you love that when you get out there, people don't know that you can sing? Oh, yeah, sing. that was my favorite thing. Yeah, was, and they're like, oh, what? They're I, expecting Roseanne? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah, what yeah. she's sure. saying. That's exactly what they thought. Yeah. And, and then it, I, I knew it, when it went silent, I thought, oh, I got him. I got yeah. Him. So that's awesome. Anyway, it's fun. So, but, but, they, but they, you know, they skate around you when you walk on, on the carpet, and they're, you know, they're, they're going like 40 miles an hour. <laughs> These guys are t- big dudes. It's very intense. And then they just pow, have a light on you, and the rest of the room goes dark. And the other nice thing about singing out on the ice is like singing in the shower. It echoes a lot. Oh, you know, that's Dodger good. Stadium is hard. You're, it all falls onto the Have grass. you flubbed oh, anything yeah. when you were doing that? Like, have you either A, forgotten a line, or B, like just shit the bed on a note? Um, I didn't think so at the time, but I when I listened at Dodger Stadium, when I listened afterwards, like, oh, I was flat. 
<laughs> so you just, it's hard to hear it. Really hard. And it's open air. Oh, it's much hard. Dodge yeah. Stadium's harder than the King's Game. Yeah. You must. Mike Rose sings uh, opera as well. I did hear that. Yeah, and he he's does. good. I, I, I think Mike Rose is an interesting dude. Yeah, yeah he's, he's a great. really great interview. Have yeah. you had him? Have you interviewed no, him? No, I, I used to. I had a show on Discovery Health for a minute, and I used to do upfronts with him when he was on Discovery with the Dirty Job stuff at the very beginning. And it was actually him, me, and um, oh my gosh, the co- the chef that uh, toured around the world. Bourdain. 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 Oh, Bourdain. Yeah, Bourdain and the three of us. And so I got to know them a little bit doing that. And also the guy that played Cliff on Cheers. He had a show back then. Ratzenberg. Was it yeah, John Ratzenberg? John Ratzenberg. Yeah. yeah. Nice guy. Super nice guy. That's Did we awesome. interview him? We interviewed Norm, and it was a weird. Norm was tough. That was a tough one. Why? I, well, I, I asked. This, I think I was. I, I thought he was talking about drinking or something. I think you, I asked him if he's an alcoholic. Like I, I, I was just asking him. Like, talking about your foreskin again or something? <laughs> Jim. Well, he came in kind of. Well, he was very tired. He was tired, and and he was red faced. George went. George yeah, went. Yeah, it, I felt bad about that because I, I really liked him. I, I was on a plane with him once, and he looked like he lost a bunch of weight. Had he lost a bunch when you saw him? Why well, he looked? I don't think so. Jim. Was asking like questions about alcoholism, and Sam's he, like Jim was shit in the bed. Well, was, I, I probably was, but he I mean, was. It was just the vibe was off. He was like, yeah. Jim was asking about recovering alcoholism, yeah, yeah, yeah. and George Went was trying to promote a fun book about how great drinking is, oh! and so it was like this weird like. It was almost Ooh. like Jim was like, "Have you ever thought about whether you're an alcoholic?" Oh. And no, I. I just, I just like never drink. Just, yeah, and it's like oh boy. <laughs> I, I don't remember why, but sometimes I guess I'm I'm so used to just talking about stuff like I, I know I get like that. doesn't I, matter. It happens to me too sometimes where I'm just like I I'm only interested in what's important. You know these right. are important topics. Yeah, and, and it's not a big deal. And, I, and there I, are people who can't have those conversations. I, I know, but too, I find it like, odd when people edit themselves or walk yes, on eggshells yes, or are afraid to ask yes. questions that are important. Like, these are like really meaningful things. So I, I blame him, not you. Yeah, I, I do too. Yeah, it was one of those weird like, guys, I'm trying to keep it funny, and it's like, all right, but we. <laughs> I don't think we I meant it to you. be a dick to him. Like, no, you I, didn't. You I, didn't. I, I remember didn't. liking him and not trying no, to be. No, Jim means to be a dick. You know it. Oh yeah, I've seen that too. Yeah, and this wasn't that. But I usually won't do that for no reason. Like just. Uh, you know, I don't want someone to feel shitty when they leave. No, 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 no. Usually it escalates. Yeah, if it's gonna get there. It's a two-way street. It starts it's somewhere. Escalating You're in the there. Nick. You're one of my heroes. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. I've never. I won't watch the scene because I've never seen it. No, I, I won't. You should at least grow a mustache in real life. Don't watch it. No. I don't want to see you myself. You made Dr. Drew sit through his Wheel of Fortune and you won't t- look at your Because scene I don't Nick? watch anything I do. Is this the scene? Yeah, I just don't want to watch it. Do you want to see it, Dr. It. Drew? Uh, no, I don't want to put him through that. If he Thank you he very much, Dr. You Drew. It. It's all but right. I just want to hear his what voice. A, what a guy. He's a, an excellent what a guy. guy. You've been listening to SiriusXM's Jim Norton and Sam Roberts. New episodes every Tuesday with full shows weekday mornings at 8 a.m. Eastern. On SiriusXM, channel 103. Visit SiriusXM.com slash Jim and Sam for a free three-month special offer. 